you, Georgia. You did a great job. It's been a very special day for you today. You have not had to listen to me a single time. <laughs> Less if I wanted you to say anything, I'd have called you by name. It's been a great day. I enjoyed uh, Brother Matthew's sermon this morning, and I'm looking forward to Brother Wayne Kusurik's sermon tonight. We'll be having a business meeting immediately after Brother Wayne concludes his message. We'll be look, voting on the deacon nominees. And then Brother Tony has a word to share from the deacons uh, with you in the business meeting as well. But we're not going to spend any more time. Brother Wayne, you come speak to us, please. Well, good evening. It is good to uh, be with you folks again here tonight. Somebody asked me uh, a while ago when I come in, said, uh, what are you doing here this evening? And I said, well, one person gave me the choice. It was either help him move or come and preach for him tonight. So here I am. Uh, <laughs> I just felt like that would be the more godly thing to do, you know, so... <laughs> No, I really appreciate the opportunity to share God's word with you here tonight, and uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter seven. I am—you uh, you may already know—I uh, am involved in the chaplaincy at the McPherson Unit in Newport, where uh, where uh, Nikki Lang is is the the state chaplain there, and I'm normally there a couple of days a week, and and normally a couple of Sundays every month. Also, I preach there in the service, and so I'm I'm in a series with the ladies there, and uh, I'm just calling it the Red Letter series. And so I'm kind of going through the Gospels uh, and paying some particular attention. I've never done this before, but uh, now let me say this up front. Uh, if you have a red letter copy of scripture, the red letters are representing for us what was intended to be the actual words of Christ when he was here on this earth. Now that doesn't make those words any different than all the rest of the words because all of the word of God is inspired. But it does help us to, you know, have, have a better look into this to see what Jesus was actually, when he was face to face with people, what he was actually saying to them. And so that's been the impetus behind me uh, wanting to do this. And I, I began, began with the ladies there in this not too long ago. And so uh, I, I want to choose a passage tonight, the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 7. It's interesting that when you, when you look at things like this, you know, you can get over in some of the chapters in John like chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, and it's practically all the words of Jesus. But then you can go other places, and, and there's very few words of Jesus in that. And this passage tonight is one of those passages. There's one statement that Jesus makes in this, and his statement is going to be for you and me tonight, the real central theme of what I want us to think about concerning this passage. Well, I want to read it first, verses 1 through 10. It says, Now when he, it's talking about Jesus, had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, that's literally the city of comfort, 
And a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they sought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was not now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should come, that you should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and he turned, turned about, and he said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house and found the servant whole that had been sick. Father, I ask you tonight to help us in this passage. That Lord, as we need to, we would hear what you're saying. That when we'd come to this, we wouldn't have any preconceived ideas. We wouldn't have any sort of just traditional things that would get in the way of what the Word is wanting to speak to us here this evening. But I just pray, Father, that we'd all approach this with our hearts open and our minds attentive. And that we'd allow the Spirit to do what He does best. That He would lead us into this truth. He would guide us into the things, the parts of it which we need to understand for our own lives here while we're here on this earth. And Father, for, for spending this time in your word tonight, I pray that we would be bettered from it, that we would be encouraged, and that we would be strengthened. And if need be, we would be comforted by it. So thank you for this time, and thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think about tonight the subject of it, in, depending on what version you're using this evening, when it, when it spoke about in verse 9 about when Jesus heard what this man said, uh, a lot of versions say that he marveled and a lot of other versions say that Jesus was amazed. So I want you to think about tonight this, this idea of how is it that amazing faith could be lived out from you and I? Now, here's where we've got to be careful that we don't uh, approach a passage of Scripture looking through it through some sort of colored lenses. Because when, if you're like me, when you hear the idea of amazing faith, we might start thinking about any number of things, you know, what amazing faith might look like. You know, if somebody were to do something, maybe some, some great work, some miraculous thing, or, or who knows what that a person would do. I want us to see here just exactly, there's four things that kind of stands out in this to me. Four, four ways that this man, uh, in his own life, was living out this faith that Jesus called amazing. And I want, I want you to just go through this with me and see that really and truly, 
every one of us here can live out a life of faith that Jesus would say is really amazing. So I want you to look first in in verses 1 and 2, the first way uh, of living an amazing faith was that it caused this man to do something. It caused him to love people across barriers. Now notice in verse 1 and 2, in in verse 2 it said this centurion, uh, he had a a servant and this servant was, notice it said this servant was dear to him. This servant was, some versions say he was valuable to him. Some some versions say that that this servant was, was like, it was almost like he was family to him. He, he loved this servant so much and this servant was sick and he was so sick he was about to die. Now here's, here's one way that uh, this man was living an amazing faith in his life was that he was able to love people across all kinds of barriers. This man is a Roman soldier. Now if you're like me, whenever you read in the scripture about Roman soldiers, it usually doesn't paint a very good picture. I mean they tend to be you know, really harsh, hard uh, kinds of guys. It's, it's the Roman soldiers. If you'll remember back in Scripture when it talks about when we're being encouraged that if somebody urges you to go a mile with them, you go with them too. Well, a Roman soldier could do that. They could meet you on the road and just say, hey, you, take my load, carry it a mile for me. They had all kinds of authority. They had all kinds of power. They normally didn't have much respect for other people. But notice this man. You know, we've, we've got the encouragement. Y'all smile, okay? We've got the encouragement way back in Scripture. We've had this command for a long time, back in Leviticus. Back in the Levitical law, chapter 19 and verse 18, is where it first tells us that we need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And that carries on all the way up into Jesus' ministry And in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus Jesus is like this. If you'll ever notice, when it concerns grace, when you're talking about law and commandments, the grace always sets a much higher standard. So back in the law, it was, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Don't be like that guy that wanted to know who his neighbor was. But love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus comes up and he steps it up. He He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. In John 13, 34, he says, you need to love one another as I have loved you. Now, that's a whole much higher standard, isn't it? And Jesus even goes on to say it's going to be by this that people are going to know that you're my disciples. Now, notice how this man loved this servant. He loved him. He cared for him. No doubt their cultures were hugely different. Their their backgrounds of all sorts could be very different there. Different nationalities, all sorts of different things there. But this man was willing to go across cultures and across lines to do the thing that you and I are encouraged to do by Christ himself is to love people. And how should we love them? We should love them like he's loved us. And he says, if we'll do that, then what's it going to do? It's going to get people's attention. Well, this is one of the things that got Jesus' attention about this man, was that he was, he was willing, his amazing faith caused him to, uh, to love across barriers. The second way of living amazing faith was that it caused this man to be active in the work of God. 
Notice in verses 3 through 5 what it says. It says, when he heard of Jesus. I I always think about in Romans chapter 10 when it tells us this. How does faith come? It says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Some versions say by the message of Christ. He heard about Jesus. All you've got to do here in the Gospel of Luke is go back just two or three chapters and and you can see what's Jesus been up to. Jesus has been healing people. Jesus has been casting out demons. Jesus has been feeding multitudes of folks. Jesus has been reaching out and doing great things in people's lives and no doubt people were talking about it because that's what people do, don't they? When great and amazing things happen, they talk about it. And this centurion heard about Jesus and notice what he did because of his hearing. He trusted there in a way because it says when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching or begging him that he would come and heal his servant. And so they went to Jesus, they sought Jesus out, and they told him this. They says, he's, he's worthy for whom that you should do this to. Notice in verse 5, it says, for this reason, for he loves our nation, and he's built us a synagogue. Now this is a Roman soldier, remember? What are they saying? He loves us. He loves the Jews. And not only did he just love them, but he let his faith and his love, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is an outstanding guy here because he let his faith and his love turn into what it's supposed to. It turned into action in his life. What did he do? He reached in his pocketbook and he got, I don't know how he did it. Maybe, you know, maybe he was even involved in the constructing of it. But one thing for sure, they said, listen, he loves your people. Jesus, he loves the nation of Israel. He loves the Jews. And he's even built us a synagogue. What kind of faith is that? It's kind of like what James says when James says, listen, if you've got real faith, that faith's going to have action. Because if it doesn't have action, then it's dead and it really is no faith at all. So here's this man living out this faith that Jesus calls amazing in these ways to where he loves cross barriers and then he also, he's, so, he, he's gotten himself active in the work of God. And then look at, at number three, the third way. The third way of living an amazing faith was that it did this. It caused the man to approach Jesus with great humility. Notice what it says in verses 6 and the first part of verse 7, it says, Then Jesus went with them. That always gets me. Do you see the uh, availability and the willingness of Jesus there? He just, they came to him, they said, they told him the need, told him about this guy. And what does Jesus do? He goes, doesn't he? He just, oh, okay, let's go to his house. So Jesus is heading that way. It says, And, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him this, says, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you. Here's a, here's a man who, now, now this is one of these spots where you might not uh, equate these two things together. When you're talking about somebody that has an amazing faith, is that you would put somebody that has humility along with that also. Here's a guy that's, he's humble. He's, he's like, he says, 
send some word to Jesus that you don't have to come to my house. You, I, I'm not worthy for you to come in under my roof. And I'm not worthy for me even to come out and to meet you. He's a humble guy. He's, he's, a, he's a centurion. He's like over 100 soldiers. So some people call him like a captain. You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 5 that's a, that he's named as a captain. Boy, it's talked about he's such a, such a good guy and well-liked guy and, and a great military guy and all that, but he, he had an issue in his life. He, his name was Naaman, and he, and he had leprosy. And they'd been out, and they'd captured some folks, and they had brought this little Israelite girl in to be a, a helper in his wife's household. And the little Israelite girl said... Uh, to, to his wife said, you know, there's a, there's a prophet down here and, and if the master, if he'd go down there to the prophet, that prophet would heal him of this, this leprosy and he'd be well. And so word got around to him and all this and, and Naaman approaches his king and his king sends a letter to the king of Israel saying, you know, I'm going to send my guy and you heal him and he gets this letter and he tears his clothes and says, what can I do and all that. Anyway, it all works through all this stuff and it winds up that the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, his protege, Elisha put the word out to the king said, send him down to my house. And I'll, I'll help him understand that God really has a prophet in this land. And you get this picture, it's like, yes, this would make a great movie scene because here he is, it tells us that he's got his, he's got his chariots and he's got all his entourage with him, you know, and, he's, and he's, he's the captain. And so what do they do? They head down. They head down to Elijah's house and, you know, you can see them there rolling through the countryside and the dust is flying and everybody's paying attention and they come up to the house and they slide sideways and he stops and he's waiting for something to happen because he's a captain. And Elijah sends a servant out to him and says, here's what you need to do. You go down the Jordan River and dunk yourself seven times. When you come up seven times, you'll be clean. And it's really interesting what happens after that. You go back and read it sometime, and you'll understand that initially Naaman was not a humble man because he says, look, I thought. And then he describes it. He says, I thought he'd come out of the house. I thought he'd wave his hand over here. He'd say something, and I'd be healed. I thought this would do. And then he gets mad. And what you usually do when you get mad he left. He took off. And then one of his faithful servants comes up to him a little later and says, You know, Master, if that man had told you something hard to do, wouldn't you have done it? And the man humbles himself, goes down the Jordan River, and you know the rest of that story. After he dipped himself the seventh time, he comes up out of the water and his skin is like a child, completely restored. This, this centurion was a man who had great humility. Amazing faith and great humility are two tremendous running buddies. And here's why. is because... Who's going to always be the one getting the glory? It's going to be God. The fourth and the last way in this of an amazing faith 
being lived out was that it, it caused this man to be willing to trust in Christ alone. Look at the, the last part of verse 7. After he had made this declaration that he himself was not worthy to come to Jesus, in his message he's saying to Jesus, he says, But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. How do you know that? He says, he says, for I am also a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go. And he goes, and to another, come. And he comes, and to my servant, do this. And he does it. Here's a man that understood absolute authority. And he knew this. He'd come to that point in his own faith walk in life that he understood that if there was anybody at that point in time on the face of the earth that had real, actual authority over any situation, it was Jesus. And so he just tells him, he says, you don't, you don't have to come to the house. You, you don't have to do any, anything. You know, it's kind of like this. You read between the lines, it's almost like he's saying, you know, you don't have to do it any preconceived idea, any kind of way. Lord, I understand. I know what a word of authority means here on the earth. I'm a, I'm a soldier. I'm a centurion. I tell where my soldiers go, they go. I tell a servant to do something, they do it. He says, all you need to do is just say a word. And right there is where this man's faith gets described as amazing by Jesus. It said in verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. He was amazed at this man. And then Jesus turned around the people that was with him and followed him, and he said this. Here's this one sentence that Jesus says. If you have a red-letter Bible, it's in red because it's his words. It says, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. Not found such a great faith. Here's a man who... Here's, here's, here's the encouragement for you and me. <laughs> Y'all know that's, that's supposed to be part of the, the premise of the preaching of God's word. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that to, 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 to speak back forth the truth should bring about in a person's life either to edify them, to encourage them, to comfort them, to strengthen, to work. Here's, here's where this is. Here's where this is good news for you and me. Now, if I were to ask you tonight for a show of hands, if I were to ask you, do you believe that the life of faith that you're walking out in your everyday getting up and walking around life would be described as amazing? I won't ask you to, but I wonder how many hands would go up. And again, I think it's because of, you know, there's this thing about Scripture that you can come to Scripture and you can either read out of it what is there or you can try to read into it what you want to be there. Well, if you read out of this what is there, I want you to notice the way, what, what, a, what an amazing 
faith walk looks like as it's given to us here. Here's a guy who is loving people irregardless of who they are, where they're from, what they do, what they look like. Here's a man who's loving people. Here's a man who's active in God's work. Here's a man who who gives of himself and what he has for the kingdom. Here's a man who is humble. Now, he's got position, but he has humility. He's over 100 soldiers. He's a centurion, but he has humility. Two rare qualities there put together. And here's a man who knows this. If you're going to trust anybody, trust Jesus. Why? Now, Jesus hadn't said it up to this point, but Jesus says it in John 14, 6. Jesus says, talking about his exclusivity, he says, I am the way. That article's there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The definite article is there. In other words, there's no other. He's, and he says it like this. He says, he says, no one can come to the Father unless, how do they come? Unless they come through him. Jesus, here we are in a, uh, we live in a very pluralistic society, multiculturalism, pluralism, and Jesus brings it back down to this. Jesus brings it back down to himself, and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you're going to come to the Father, here's how you're going to come. You're going to come through me. This man understood that it was about trusting Christ and trusting him alone. What amazed Jesus was the ways that anyone, those ways are ways that any one of us can live out our faith in this life. Y'all know that? Any of us here could live out our faith in these very same ways. And Jesus looked and listened to this man and he was amazed. So do you realize that you and I could be walking out a faith walk in this life? Like I like to say in our everyday getting up, going around life, we could be living in such a way that the Lord says, that's amazing. That's encouraging to me. A faithful, godly life. The only other time that we have that the same words used where it says Jesus marveled at this guy's faith was in Mark 6, 6 when it said he marveled at some people's unbelief. He went back to his hometown. He went back to Nazareth. And he wanted to do a lot there with those people. But it said all that he could do was he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. But it says that he marveled at their unbelief. What do we want Jesus to marvel at on our lives? Do we want him to marvel at faith or unbelief? I believe all of you all, just like myself, I want him to, I want him to be able to look at this life and by, and by ways like we saw in this, the ways that this man was living out his faith walk, that we'd be doing the same thing. And the Lord would say, I'm stretching you, aren't I? 
Is it hard for you to hear the voice of Jesus look at your life and say, I'm amazed. It can be. Living out simple ways of faith to him is amazing. Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you that, I thank you you put this account in your scripture. And I thank you that you made this account about this particular man. In most natural ways, he was an unlikely candidate to be somebody that Jesus would say, has an amazing faith and living it out. But all the better for, for us here as we've looked at it and heard it. Here's a man that because of what he was and who he was, a lot of people would have discounted him as being a person living in amazing faith. But because of the ways that he was, always in line with your word, with your encouragements to our lives, I just pray, Father, you would help all of us in here this evening to be stretched and to realize that as we get up and we go around and we live out our daily regular lives we can live that out in really what is such simple ways of trusting you following you and listening to you that you'll look at that life and it'll be something that grabs your attention And even causes you to say that it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for instructing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this time together. We just pray this in Jesus' name.